Coming up. I came through that canyon? You know what I mean? I came over that mountain. Yeah, God brought you over that mountain. Whatever your mountain was, we all got one, right? <laughs> a bunch of them. A bunch of them. And, and if you can just reflect on that and how God has brought you, then it'll take you there. It'll make you go back to your knees. Hello, and thank you for joining us on One by One, the podcast ministry of Quench Life Christian Fellowship. With things constantly changing in the world around us, it can be difficult at times to see the good in every circumstance. But Pastor Robert wants us to examine our thoughts and beliefs on what we call good. Join us for this challenging message series, Living the Good Life. Here's the sixth message in the series, Learning from the Best. And so today in our final part of the series, we simply want to look at the one who has lived the best life of all time. That's who we want to look at. And I just want to give you uh, eight qualities or aspects of his life and things that made his life a good life. But on your outline, so write this down. Some things that made the life of Jesus a good life. I figured when I said it was the best person or who's the one who's lived the best life of everybody, I didn't have to tell you what his name was. Um, I figured you understood that. But there are some things that made the life of Jesus a good life. Some things. Um, now, I want to make this clear. I'm, this is not going to be an exhaustive list. I told you it's just going to be eight, eight points we're going to make about it. Um, but it's not going to be exhaustive because it may not even be possible for it to be. And the reason I say this, because uh, the Apostle John in John chapter in John, in the book of John, the final chapter of the book of John, chapter 21, John tells us I, I, these things uh, happened. And he says, but if I wrote down everything that he did, I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> then he said, I suppose it wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain it, contain it. I, I get that. Get that. John, who was an apostle of Jesus. In fact, he arguably was the closest apostle apostle to Jesus because all, in several occasions he laid his head on 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 Jesus's bosom and he was known as the one. Who laid his, he lay who lays his head on Jesus's bosom. <laughs> and so it appears that John probably was the closest to Jesus Christ. John says, if I wrote everything that he did in his life, he says, I suppose it would not be enough books in the world to contain it. So and when I say I'm not giving you an exhaustive list, I mean it. John said, I can't even give you everything. And I was there. Ain't that something? Think about that. Think about all the stuff Jesus must have done that John would say, I can't write it all down. That's that. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know. And so um, so we're going to talk about eight things, just eight aspects of Jesus's life that made it a good life. And obviously, if they, these things made Jesus' life a good life, 
It will make our lives a good life and we should follow it because we are followers of Jesus Christ. Amen. So number one, write this down. Uh, What made Jesus life a good life? Number one, he lived a life of prayer. He lived a life of prayer. Hebrews 5, 7, a says during the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. The goat, the greatest of all time, it says during his life, he offered up prayers and petitions, fervent prayers and petitions. Ain't that something? Fervent prayer. I don't know about you, but for me, that made me pause. It made me pause. Because I, I, I can't say that my prayers are fervent all the time. It makes me think about, well, how many of my prayers are really just really fervent? I had a dream the other night. <laughs> I had a dream the other night that my prayer was fervent. <laughs> I was like, in my dream, it was fervent. And, and, I, and I, I, I was calling out. I was calling out big time. I was calling. I was calling on God. I was like, oh, Lord, please, you know, Lord, please, Lord, please. And um, calling on him big time. Um, and and it, it kind of showed me what was, was, was dear to my heart, too, because what had happened, I share my dream with y'all. My, my car got stolen. And um, in my car was my laptop. And it has, like, almost all my thoughts. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, all my messages and my just stuff that make me who I am. You know, it had work stuff. It had my just stuff that's dear to me, all my notes and all the stuff, you know. And, and I just like, is, is it gone? It's gone. And I was like, Lord, please. In my, in my dream, I was crying out, Lord, please. Crying out, screaming. And, I, and it, it got so bad, I said, I... My wife probably hear me now. <laughs> In my dream, I'm thinking, at some point I started thinking, I'm probably emoting now, <laughs> you know, because it, it got that fervent. It got that fervent. Because I just, I just like, I, I just couldn't imagine losing, you know, all that, the fruit from my study and Stuff that drew me closer to God. I mean, just it just the list goes on and on. It's so much. It's, yeah, I, yeah, I, hey, and and uh, so I'm thinking in my dream. So while I'm crying out, I must have been crying out in my dream for like five minutes. Dream five minutes. I don't know if it was literal five minutes. I, <laughs> I didn't wake up, look at the clock, and keep track. I'm just. It just felt like it was about five minutes of dream time, right? And so while I was crying out, I mean, I was literally crying. Tears was coming down my face in my dream. The police officer walked up and gave me my car keys while I was dreaming. I hadn't even called the police yet. (laughs) Y'all get what I'm saying? I hadn't called them yet. I was just, I was just crying out. And he walked up and gave me the keys. And this way it got a little weird because I was trying, how did, I was like, how did you know? I asked, how did you know? And um, we had, uh, in the family, we had just shared our, did a little family share thing where you can kind of know where everybody is. 
share our locations on our iPhones or whatever. We had just did that a day or so ago. And he basically told me that was how he found me. And it, it didn't make sense to me. But uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, that's, it was a dream. Was, don't look at me like that. It was a dream. <laughs> But anyway, that's what he told me. But for me, though, the way I interpreted it was just that God answers us when we cry out. And it reminded me that I should be crying out because the Bible says you have not because you ask not. And it reminded me that I need to start asking for some stuff that I haven't asked for. Because God will respond. And that's what I left the dream with. That reality that I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask God. I'm going to cry out. Showed up in my dream. He could show up in my life. And so that's, that's what I left with. So Jesus prayed fervently. It says, with tears. With tears. With tears. In my dream, I was crying, praying out with tears. Sometimes it's like, and I I hate to say this, but it's like sometimes, sometimes it's like life is too good to us that we don't, we ain't been through enough. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I know. I know. (laughs) I mean, it's like if we go through more, it would force us to get to our knees and call on him. But we shouldn't have to have that to do it, okay? We should just know that God is there, he loves us, he wants us, and we should want what God wants for us so badly, even when things are good, we still crying about it. And that's what I mean. That's what I mean. That sometimes maybe we just ain't been through enough because we're not leaning on him like we ought to. And I'm saying we. We need to lean on. Sometimes I think about that by myself. It's like, maybe, Robert, you don't, you just, you don't see. You don't understand that because you ain't been through enough yet. You know? And so, <laughs> and oftentimes, all it really takes, though, all it really takes for most of us is just to remember what we have been through. Because oftentimes, we go through things, and then five years up the road, we act like we've never been through it. Um, and when we were going through it, we didn't record nothing, so we don't have nothing to go back and read to, to remind us of what we went through because we didn't write it down. We didn't write down the, 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 the toughness. Um, uh, uh, Sarah just sharing with me the other day, and I, I can't wait to see it. She, she was looking back at um, the text message string from her and my wife when I was in the hospital, and she shared it with me. I was like, ooh. I'm thinking, oh, I said, I'm starting to cry now <laughs> just thinking about what that, how that must have read, you know, because they were, we were at a, at a place of just uncertainty completely. It, we didn't know if I was going to make it, you know, and I mean, I was out most of the time, but they were going through that part of it, the more of the not knowing whether I would make it. I had my moments, but a lot of it, I was out. It was brain surgery. Well, you know, so um, so my emotional ordeal, I don't think was as great as theirs. So when she mentioned that to me, I'm thinking like, yeah. And so oftentimes the problem is we haven't recorded and nor do we recall 
the things that we have already been through. Because if we did, it'll take us back there. And so when God, that's, we just jacked up like that. God blesses us and we just forget. We just move into the happy place and just start dancing. And, you know, you can dance, but you need to, you know, look back and say, ooh, I, I came through that canyon. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I came over that mountain. Yeah, God brought you over that mountain. Whatever your mountain was, we all got one, right? <laughs> a bunch of them, a bunch of them. And, and if you can just reflect on that and how God has brought you, then it'll take you there. It'll make you go back to your knees. And we need to do that sometime. We just need to reflect. We need to be reminded of what God has done. And then if you, if you can go there and learn the lesson, and I'm going to be talking about that in a minute, you can learn the lesson, then uh, <laughs> you won't need another experience to teach you. <laughs> Do y'all understand what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. Amen. So, A, um, write this down. As followers, we should be constantly calling on God. As followers, we should be constantly calling on God. Luke 18.1 says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So he created a he, he told a parable specifically to indicate to them that they should always pray. And he told them about the lady who kept asking and kept asking and kept asking and kept asking and kept asking, and kept asking, kept asking. And until the man, he, he just got tired of being asked and he said, OK. <laughs> And that, but he told them that specifically to let them know that they should never give up. That's what followers of Jesus Christ should be doing. Number two, write this down. Another the second aspect that makes Jesus's life a good life. He submitted his life to the father. He submitted his life to the father. I, I should have some of y'all circle life, his life, because um, I didn't circle it, but it might be a good idea for you to circle his life, um, not his work life, not his home life, not his shopping life, not his uh, recreational life, uh, no, not his TV watching life, not his social media searching life. Um, but his entire life, he submitted. Truth is, we give God uh, packets of our lives, not all of it. Just here, God, you can have that part. I'm going to keep this part for myself. And it's funny that, lit, that figuratively, you know what we do to God when we do that? Figuratively, we go into that door of that life. We step in. And on the outside of the door, you know what the sign says? No God allowed. No God allowed. God, you're not allowed. We have the audacity <laughs> to tell God and put a sign up and say, God, you can't come in. That is figuratively what we're doing. And literally, really, what we're doing when there's areas of our life and we don't, we don't allow God in. And the thing is, God is a loving God. So he, he, he walks by the door. He said, OK, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, he could come in and not he didn't even have to open the door. He can come in. Right. 
but he doesn't because he gives us free will and he see the sign and he just keeps walking. And then we in there doing whatever we're doing, jacking up, whatever we jacking up. Our life is just a mess. And we put a sign outside and said, God, you're not allowed. You're not allowed when I'm out with my buddies. You're not allowed when I'm watching TV. You're not allowed when I'm on and doing whatever I'm doing that I ain't supposed to be doing. You say, God, you're not allowed. And then some of us, some of us got a sign there that's big. It's a big sign. God, you're not allowed. Other folks got just a little sign. And the reason I say it's big because sometimes we get, we get angry at God, disappointed at God. And then we go into that place where God's not allowed, and we call ourselves getting back at God. You may not say the words, right, but that's what you're doing in your actions. And at that point, you put a bigger sign outside and say, God, you are definitely not allowed now because I'm angry with you because you didn't give me that promotion or you didn't let me, you know, whatever. And God is just shaking his head and wanting better for you. So Hebrews 5, 7 says, during the days of Jesus's life, it goes on to say, that is, during the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. He was heard because of his reverent submission. It wasn't like, oh, OK, God. All right. It was like, OK, Father, whatever you say, whatever you say. It was a reverent submission. It wasn't, you know, okay, all right, whatever. It's not that kind of thing. It was a reverent submission. A, write this down. Every day as, a, as followers, we should surrender to God. Every day as followers, we should surrender to God. Uh, Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus says you should take up your cross and, and decide and determine I'm following him every day. Every day you make that decision. It's not a one-shot deal. He says you need to decide every single day that you're going to take up your cross and you're going to follow me. And when he says take up your cross, he's not talking about putting on that bracelet with a cross on it or that necklace that has a cross on it. That, that's, that's, that's not what he means. Okay? That's not. Or the T-shirt that got a cross on it or the hat that got a cross. That's not what he's saying when he says take up your cross. The, the cross, you know, in, the, in this time, everybody knew. You talk about cross, they, they, was, they knew what that meant. That meant die. That's what it meant. It was an instrument of death. So when he start talking about taking up your cross, he means you need to die every day. Now, because Jesus died for our sins, we don't have to physically die, but he wants our wills to die. We got to deny ourselves. That means die to our own wills and surrender to the will of God every day. So what this should tell you that every day your will is going to say, is it my turn? Every day, your will inside you, something's going to say, is it my turn today? Is it me today? You, gonna, you know what I mean? And you tell it every day. No, it ain't you. It ain't going to ever be you again. You know, you, <laughs> you had, it was you too long already in my life. Okay. <laughs> it was you too long. It's not you no more. 
But he gonna, he gonna keep asking. That, that inner person, that, that sin nature you got, is gonna keep asking, is it me today? And during the day, he's gonna say, is it me now? It's lunchtime, you know, you got some free time. Is it me now? It's, you got some free time, you know. You can go, you know, and, and it, it gonna talk to you. So that's why every day we gotta decide, no, sin nature, you gonna die today, you gonna die today, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow Christ today. Every day, we have to surrender, gotta surrender. So don't think it's a one-shot deal that you just do it on the weekend when you worship. You know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, surrender. Surrender, 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 surrender. Number three, third reason Jesus' life was a good life. He, he always pleased the Father. He always pleased the Father. Um, John eight twenty nine says, the one who sent me is with me. This is Jesus talking. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. I always do what pleases him. Ain't that something? Jesus says, I always please the Father. I always do what pleases the Father. And so, A, as followers, we should live for God's pleasure. We should live for God's pleasure. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. This is Apostle Paul talking. He said, we make it our goal to please him, whether we are in the body here on earth in the body or we die and we leave the body. Either case, we please him. This is really important in our world today. This is really important. Paul says again, I'm going to say it again. Paul says, it is my goal to please God, whether I'm in the flesh or out of the flesh, or I die and I leave the flesh. In either case, it's my goal to please God. Let me tell you why this is important. Because some people are not, some people are only planning to make it their goal to please God when they leave this life. They don't really make it a goal now, but they're thinking and they're believing that when I die, I'll make it a goal then. That's what they're thinking. But that's a falsehood. That's a falsehood. Because God is going to say, well, how is it you wanted to please? You don't you didn't want to please me while you was living. And now you want to please me. It, do, it doesn't turn. It's not a water faucet. You just can't turn it on and off like that. It does, that's not how it works. And so, but some people are believing that. They believing that I can make living my life now. I can live my life the way I want to. You know why? Because you only live once. Right? That's what they say. You only live once. You got to do it all. Sow your royal oats. You know, do all this. And you only live once. But that's not true. That's not true. Life goes on after here. And so Paul is saying, I'm making it my goal here and I'll make it my goal there. Nothing changes. It's going to stay my goal. And that's the proper way to live a good life. And Jesus always pleased the father. And then they almost always didn't please the father. That doesn't it doesn't line up. But some people are believing that that's the way it should be or can be. And that's why we got to get the message to them 
that God wants you to make it your goal now. And it's not on your paper, but as we know, the Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith makes it your goal now. So the fourth reason that Jesus' life was a good life, he was a learner. He was a learner. He was a learner. Um, Hebrews 5.8 says, uh, son, though he was, the son, though he was, that's with a capital S, he learned obedience from what he suffered. He learned obedience from what he suffered. Ain't that something? Jesus learned, and the text says not only did he learn, he learned obedience, and he learned it through suffering. <laughs> As followers of Christ, if we, were, if we were to take this and appropriate it properly, it will help us understand why there's, how we are, there's so many things we don't know, because we're trying to avoid suffering at all costs. I know, I know. You say, well, who wants to suffer? Well, nobody really wants to. I mean, if you had your druthers, you know, I wouldn't want to. But there are some things that will trump your desire not to suffer, and you will take the suffering. And I'm saying this this way so that we can start to feel better about suffering. Uh, a mother, for instance, with three kids and only three hot dogs in the house to eat. Mothers, is that an easy one or not? That's easy, ain't it? <laughs> my, my mom just ain't gonna eat tonight, okay? Right? It's, it's easy. You you take that suffering any day. You go to you go to bed with your with your stomach pains and everything, and your you groans and say, "My kids are good. I'm good." See, see. So I'm, I'm what I'm saying to you is that when we our mind is right and we're thinking right and our priorities are right, we will accept suffering. We'll accept it. You've been listening to One by One. Here's a personal message from Pastor Robert. You may have never said yes to Jesus Christ. You know God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sin so that you could live with him forever. If you're ready to say yes to the love that God showed, pray this prayer. Lord God, I admit that I sinned against you. I made some mistakes in my life. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and my mistakes, and I commit my life to you. I ask that you come into my life, come into my heart, take control, transform me to reflect the character of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to personally welcome you to the family of God. And I want to encourage you to connect with the church near you so that you can learn more about Jesus, grow closer to God and to other believers. God bless you. To learn more about Quench Life Christian Fellowship, visit quenchlife.org. You can follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at QuenchLifeCF to receive regular words of encouragement and ministry updates. Join us next time. That's love!
here, here it is. Jesus is demonstrating to them the very essence of love, and they thinking it's not love. You ever been there? You ever loved somebody and they didn't receive it? And you were loving them to the best of your ability, and they didn't think you was loving them. And they had the audacity to tell you, you don't love me. See, see some of us have been in that situation. That was us. Thank you for listening. 